0: Hello everyone and welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Ben
1: and I'm Sarah.
0: Thank you for listening to us today. How are you doing today, Sarah?
1: Uh doing pretty good. It is, in my heart, still the spooky season, Mm. Um, even though we are well into November. Well
0: into November.
1: It doesn't stop being the spooky season. Well, okay, here's the thing. Um, Spooky season is in your heart.
0: All year round.
1: All year round. However, it doesn't really feel like we have hit the transition from spooky into, like, Christmassy holiday season Mm. um, until snow falls and we have not had snow yet Mm. thanks climate change Mm. but also it means that spooky continues
0: i see i follow this brand of logic yes Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) how are you today
0: i'm doing pretty good um i have been learning things about today's movie while you have been burning through witcher books
1: (laughs) i just finished baptism of fire and i finished that in a week and the one before that, Time of Contempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I finished that also in a week from the the time that I started reading it. Mm. So, you know, time to move on to uh I believe the next one is Tower of Sorrows. Okay. At first I was like, I need to read this before the next season of The Witcher comes out, but now I'm like well far past what they can conceivably cover in the second season. Mm. And I'm just like, no, I just wanna <laughs> I just wanna read yeah i just nothing. want to read the characters just Raz Geralt about being a lone wolf and just like make fun of him for it it's amazing
0: nothing wrong with reading
1: <laughs> support your local library uh what are we watching Butterfly
0: to- in the sky
1: <laughs> what are we watching today ben
0: today sarah we are watching the bride and the beast right from 1958 directed by adrian weiss
1: okay interesting
0: so, the story of this movie begins with Adrian Weiss, who independently produced and directed the film, as well as coming up with the basic plotline. Weiss was born in 1918 in New York City. He was the son of Louis Weiss, who was one of the three Weiss brothers whose production company began in 1916 and produced numerous cheap movies for decades
1: any that we've seen no okay
0: adrian had worked as an editor a production manager an assistant director and an associate producer on a number of his father and uncle's films and tv programs since the mid-1930s the bride and the beast was his first solo production as a writer, producer, and director of his own feature film. It would also be his last.
1: Oh no! Though he
0: did live until two thousand one.
1: Oh okay, well.
0: So yeah. it's, it's 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 his last because pres- he cho- chose not to, or the industry chose not to let him. One or the other, um, but not because anything tragic happened to him. Now, Vice created a story for the film by looking at what sets, props, and other elements he had on hand sure, and figuring out what kind of story would use all of those. A a time-honored cheap movie producer tradition. The primary gimmick that he had access to was stunt performer Steve Calvert and his gorilla suit. So Steve Calvert was born William Seeger in 1916, and Calvert started out as a bartender in LA at which point he made friends with like a lot of actors and producers and he was able to get into the film business as a stunt performer through his friendship with actor Robert Lowry the second live-action Batman. In 1948 prolific gorilla suit performer Crash Corrigan retired to his ranch and sold his gorilla suits to Calvert and so Calvert began to appear in films such as Bride of the Gorilla. And Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. Due to a decline in the gorilla movie subgenre, <laughs> uh, Calvert retired from acting in 1960 and became a carpenter. And he passed away in 1991. So, at this time in the late 50s, Calvert's been in a bunch of movies as a gorilla. Um, Bride of the Gorilla is the one we've seen. Okay. Um, his primary competitor during this period would have been George Barrows. Uh, He was the other major gorilla suit performer at this time, most famous for his role in Robot Monster, uh, where he plays an alien robot that looks like a gorilla with a diving suit helmet on. So to write the screenplay of The Bride and the Beast, Vice turned to fellow independent sci-fi horror genre B-movie producer, writer, director, Edward D. Wood Jr. You're kidding. No.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: This is an Ed Wood picture. Well, he wrote the screenplay. Yeah. In all other ways, this is not an Ed Wood picture. We don't see his standard actors or crew, mm-hmm. you know, any of those other things. It's It's a different production. But the fact that he wrote it, well... It speaks volumes. Yeah, let's just say that... This being a strange throwback ape suit movie with an utterly bizarre sexual oh no uh subtext not even subtext really this movie kind <laughs> of just turns like the subtext of you know your standard ape movies like King Kong and sort of just turns it into text but in a really uniquely bizarre manner and that's sort of what we can lay at the feet of the writer ed wood
1: thanks ed (laughs) love it great
0: (laughs) now since directing plan 9 from outer space which had premiered at this point but had not yet been picked up for distribution uh that wouldn't happen until 1959 uh wood had written and directed a 22-minute horror film called final curtain about an actor trapped in a haunted theater pursued by eerie sounds and strange scenes, Um, a kind of surreal one-man horror show with no dialogue other than the narration of what's going through the actor's mind as he wanders the theater. And this was meant to be a pilot for a proposed horror anthology TV series that Wood would produce called Portraits of Terror.
1: Um, Okay, quick pause here. Mm. Um, What's the timeline on Twilight Zone and the Night Gallery?
0: So Night Gallery came after Twilight Zone in the 1970s. Okay. And the Twilight Zone wouldn't premiere until
1: 1959. So Wood is uncharacteristically ahead of the curve
0: here. Right. The twist at the end of Final Curtain is that the man is dead. (laughs) Um, Sure. The... TV series was not picked up, Uh, uh, but Wood often felt that Final Curtain, uh, this pilot episode, was the best thing he ever did.
1: It sounds really cool, but then again, a lot of the things that he does sound really cool on paper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So always in need of money, Wood took the job writing The Bride and the Beast, um, Two Vices, Specifications using the lead character's forbidden taboo sexual attraction to <gasps> gorillas oh
1: my God. as a
0: metaphor for his own issues of identity and sexuality.
1: All right.
0: Wood was inspired by the Bridie Murphy trend, which if you've been following along with Scream Scenes episodes, you might be thinking, isn't that trend a bit old by now? Yeah and and you would be right yeah the other source of inspiration for his screenplay was um some jungle movie stock footage that he had access to
1: sure that's standard for b movies
0: and yeah and for ed wood for sure so yeah get ready for a movie that is pro bestiality bestiality. um With elements of angora sweater fetish, and a rationale for the bestiality that involves the lead female character having been
1: hypnotized, the
0: the queen of the gorillas in the in a past life.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, we we we're here now. We committed to the bit of every horror movie ever made in chronological order, so we 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 got to watch this.
0: The film's lead role is played by 25-year-old actress Charlotte Austin, who we last saw as the female lead in The Man Who Turned to Stone. So Austin, who had been in her fair share of cheap movies, was amazed by how cheap the production of The Bride and the Beast was, including a shot where the characters were supposed to be in a moving car, but the car was not actually moving. But to give the car the appearance of moving... PAs from off camera were by hand rolling the tires, like rolling the wheels of the car. (laughs) Meanwhile, (laughs) director Vice apparently, according to what he told people on set, thought that this movie that he was producing was going to be a minor classic.
1: I mean, I guess a little bit because of its association with Ed Wood. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah this is this is the ed wood movie that you watch when you've watched all the other ed wood movies and you're told that there's another one that you haven't seen yeah but you know hey at least that means he was trying to make something good or thought that what he was making was good which is often better than you know when people are just like have given up yeah the male lead is played by lance fuller who has fallen quite a ways from his days under contract to Universal, where he played Brack in This Island Earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've also seen him before in The She-Creature and Voodoo Woman. This will likely be our last time seeing Lance Fuller in a film. He quit acting in 1962, and in 1968 he attacked a police officer and was shot in the chest. Uh, But
1: why did he attack?
0: So Fuller had been attacking parked cars with a three-foot lead pipe, yelling out that he was Jesus Christ, that he was Lord. Uh, So this police officer came by to try to stop him. And Fuller attacked the police officer and broke the officer's hand with the pipe. And as the officer was falling to the ground, he shot Fuller in the chest. Fuller survived and recovered. And launched a comeback in 1970 as an actor, uh, where he appeared uncredited in some minor roles in movies like The Andromeda Strain, and then gave up again, and later passed away in 2001 after a, quote, long illness, unquote.
1: That's sad, so I'm not going to make any jokes.
0: This is the unfortunate problem with um, talking about B-movies, is you laugh at how silly and ridiculous and poorly made they are and then you learn absolutely anything about any of the people who made them and it's most often very sad so the bride and the beast got picked up for distribution by allied artists uh the studio formerly known as monogram
1: okay i i definitely got it confused for a minute with united artists yeah and i was like what What? the fuck
0: Uh, And it premiered on January 29th, 1958, on a double feature with the war drama exploitation movie, The Beast of Budapest, um, which was a sort of sadomasochistic sex exploitation movie about the Hungarian Revolution of (laughs) 1956. Today, The Bride and the Beast is available on Amazon Prime, (laughs) Flixfling, and Tubi as well as on DVD from Retro Media on a double feature with King Dinosaur.
1: Okay. It's very funny to me that this is on Amazon Prime. Amazon is just like, yeah, and then like we'll put out Wheel of Time <laughs> and then put out fucking Bride of the Beast or whatever. I mean, you know,
0: Amazon buys the rights to everything. Like, they probably got this less as like, you know, Jeff Bezos sitting there and being like, no, Bride and the the Bride and the Beast has to be on Amazon. And more like, hey, uh, what does it cost to buy the entire rights library to everything Monogram ever made? $12? What a deal. Now there's 4,000 more movies on Amazon. Anyways, so yeah, we're going to be watching it on Tubi.
1: Yes. Well, folks, hopefully, maybe hopefully you can find a copy to watch along You're going to hear a brief musical interlude, and when we come back, we will discuss The Bride and the Beast, both all new in the same movie, The Bride and the Beast, from 1958, directed by Adrian Weiss.
0: See you on the other side, everybody.
1: Welcome back to Scream Scene. We just finished watching The Bride and the Beast from 1958, directed by Adrian Weiss. Thank God this was the only movie he ever directed. Hmm. Yeah.
0: I don't know how much of this is his fault.
1: Well, as the director, producer and the person who had the idea that ed wood then expanded on i think there is a bit of blame to lay at his feet fair
0: totally fair i have opinions (laughs) about this movie
1: that well this is a podcast for you to share those opinions um but perhaps first i shall give the synopsis and buckle up (laughs) yes wild movie
0: yes yes When it's, I'll talk, you know what? I'll save it for later.
1: Okay. Interesting. So Dan and Laura have just gotten married. Um, Dan makes his living as a big game hunter. And so at his house, you know, he has a lot of uh, taxidermied taxidermied animals throughout the house. Um, Lions and tigers. I don't recall seeing if there were any bears, though. Because of his line of work, um, when they head up to his house, it's in the mountains, um, kind of like secluded. It's a mansion. It also has a sign that says Dan Fuller's Jungle. So it's unclear to me if that's just like his house or if he has like... Like
0: a petting zoo?
1: (laughs) Or yeah, like it's an attraction that people come to. Right. Kind of further muddying the waters about this is um, he has a live gorilla caged in his basement now this gorilla's name is um spanky Mm -hmm. why is his name spanky i just why okay but he he has plans for spanky to go to the nearby zoo because they're leaving for their honeymoon now laura is like wow like what a great big house like pretty cool so excited to be married to you But she immediately seems to have a connection to Spanky. When she first comes in, they hear him like make a noise in the basement. She's like, Well, why don't I meet him? And yeah, she just is immediately like drawn to him. He's immediately fascinated with her. It's a little bit like love at first sight kind of uh, tropes. And uh,
0: they have far more chemistry than she has with Dan. Yeah. I have to I have to point out that the basement is a dungeon. (laughs) It is. It's like, you know, stone brick like bars, like, you know, kind of thing. Stairs going down that don't have railings. Like it's a dungeon. And the way you get there, even though like even though Dan is a big game hunter, he's raised Spanky from like being a baby gorilla like has had him his whole life and this is like his house and it's like not a secret and it's like a thing he tells Laura about right away the way into the basement is like a secret panel yeah where you like hit a button that's hidden on the wall and like part of the wall like slides away like it's like a entrance to a mad scientist lair yeah yeah
1: there there are torches yes in, in the basement yes um why any okay whew. That's a lot of this movie, just exasperated wise. Mm-hmm. So that night, you know, it's their wedding night. So they're getting frisky upstairs and Spanky seems to be able to tell what's going on because he's making a ton of noise in the basement. He's getting excited. <laughs> Afterwards, mm-hmm. <laughs> Laura is uh, asleep and we get like a filter over her face That makes you think, like, are we going into a dream? Or it's similar to the filter that goes over Professor Xavier's face when he's contacting the X-Men.
0: Yeah, she's got, like, concentric circles coming out of her head while she's sleeping.
1: And the way that the film cuts down to Spanky makes it clear that he is picking up her radio waves. Yes. And he breaks out of his cage And wanders up to the bedroom. Now, as he's making his way, Laura wakes up and goes and lights a cigarette um, in, like, this massive bedroom living space, um, which I think is, like, the size of our first apartment. But anyways, so she's smoking and Spanky comes in and she turns and she, again, has, like, that same kind of reaction to him. And he's, like, petting her hair, clearly being very tender Dan, whose bed is in this room, wakes up and slowly grabs a revolver out of his side table. And then Spanky rips off Laura's sleeping gown. And that's when Dan has had enough. (laughs) He goes like, Spanky, no, and then like shoots and shoots multiple times and, and kills Spanky. And um, Laura is just like, like she screams when the shots go off and then she faints and she's clearly like a little shocked about what's going on. And she even afterwards is like, yeah, he was being so tender and I don't know what really could have happened. And yada, yada.
0: It's clear. Like when they first meet by the cage, like she has like come hither eyes And when she's having her like telepathic link with Spanky in the basement while she's still asleep, like she is writhing and moaning in bed. Like she is having a very intense dream about things, maybe satisfying her in a way that maybe Dan didn't just satisfy her. And then like when Spanky comes upstairs, like he ripped through the bars on his cage, but he like opens the door just like walks in and yeah they're having this tender moment and she's looking at him like biting her lower lip and like giving him these eyes and he tears her dress off and yeah and then dan shoots him several times and later yeah like when she's explaining to dan what happened she's like oh but his his hands on me were so gentle tender so she was into it.
1: So that's the tone of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, later that night, you know, after they've presumably like cleaned up the gorilla body, Dan is tucking Laura in and he's like, you know, try not to like think about all of all that's happened. And she's like, no, I, I feel like maybe I want to talk about it. And he's like, Listen, lady, I'm a man in the 1950s. (laughs) I'll just get a doctor tomorrow. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I don't want to talk about this. I'll just call up a doctor.
0: I am not equipped.
1: Yeah. Well, especially for this. Um, And so she talks a little bit about it. And that's where we get like the tender language and whatever. But she goes to sleep. And she has uh, what apparently is a reoccurring dream about being an ape in the jungle. And just animals everywhere here and there. And she wakes up screaming because it's a terrifying nightmare for her. So Dan's pretty worried. First thing the next morning, Dan goes and gets the local doctor, Dr. Reiner. He's like a regular doctor, um, but he also does hypnotherapy. Also, he's a family friend. So Dan's like, don't worry, Laura. You can like share anything and everything with him. And so they do some hypnotherapy, and she, you know, talks about how, like, she likes Angora sweaters because of the feeling of, like, fur on her skin.
0: If you you didn't know, this was an Ed Wood's script by now.
1: Yeah. And so the doc goes to Dan, and he's like, you know, I think... Laura is a prime candidate for us to do some regression therapy to go back to a previous life. Cause I, I think this is what's really going to help with this dream business. And Dan's like, I don't know what you're saying, but okay. <laughs> so they do it and they regress to her past life. And she was a gorilla in, in the past life. And we get to see how she died. Basically. Um, some African hunters uh, kill her for meat or whatever the fuck. And so they, their honeymoon, <laughs> was for Dan and Laura to go to Africa to go hunting, Um, which is weird because that's Dan's job. job. So he's basically like, yeah, for our honeymoon, I'll be working. Yeah. Like, great. Love it. But in light of this being her past life and kind of getting through this traumatic event, memory, and dream thing, um, the doctor's like, I don't think this is the wisest thing to be doing to take her into deepest darkest africa and dan's like tickets are bought and paid for for right. doing this <laughs> i didn't splurge for like being able to get a refund i didn't get the insurance
0: <laughs> he didn't pay a lot for their tickets either given the like fact that they're taking a cattle boat downriver. anyways i do like dan's uh name for this whole incident uh the spanky affair
1: that is what they call that incident. Yes. and Now we enter stock footage land. <laughs> um, tons of stock footage of them traveling to Africa, um, traveling uh, upriver, traveling through the jungle, um, hunting and capturing animals uh, with nooses. Uh, Definitely not upsetting to watch them. Noose a small baby giraffe. Also, turns out there's tigers on the loose. We do get some like actual like scenes of them like doing things like driving a truck or walking through woods or whatever the fuck. Um, And then this is how they tie in the tigers because Edward is like, well, we're in Africa, but tigers are in India. So I guess I'll have a couple scenes in here to explain that a ship got wrecked off the coast of Africa, and now there's two Indian tigers on the loose here. Perfect. got it. And so we have a a whole bunch of stock footage of them hunting the tigers.
0: Yeah, this would be like if you were watching a modern movie, and you know, you were looking, and there's The Rock and Emily Blunt on their Jungle Cruise. And every time they, like, reacted to something, instead of it being, like, some unconvincing CGI, it was just, like, footage from old David Attenborough documentaries. Yeah. Just with, like, The Rock, you know, pretending that he's in the same space as them. That kind of thing.
1: Laura eventually goes out walking, um, looking for Dan because he didn't come home one night uh, as he's, like, hunting these tigers. And she gets attacked by a tiger and falls and um, falls off a cliff, well, a short cliff, and uh, gets a head injury. When she awakens, um, by this point, like, it's clear that she's had, like, some pretty bad injuries Dan's officially killed both tigers and he's like treating his own wounds. So when she awakens, we see that same concentric circle thing on her face um, and her writhing around in her bunk. And hey, a local gorilla is walking by and he's like, oh, X-Men, X-Men, I read you, uh, and starts he, walking towards the camp.
0: He picks up on her telepathic ecstasy.
1: How long were you waiting for that one? <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm not, it's not a gag. That's literally what's happening.
1: So local boy, he doesn't have a fancy name like Spanky. So I'll just call him the gorilla. He walks into camp just as Laura walks out of her tent and they're having like a moment. Dan turns around and he's like, what the fuck? And instead of shooting the gorilla, he goes to try to like hit it with the like handle.
0: He goes to pistol whip it with his revolver.
1: And it goes terribly as you might expect Like riding high on having like stabbed that tiger to death in the stock footage. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so he gets like beat. Laura gets picked up by the gorilla taken to a cave where there are three other gorillas.
0: Yes. Actually she gets taken to a cave where there's one other gorilla and then two more show up as if the first two like called them on the phone to be like, yo, you guys need to come over
1: right now she is down to clown <laughs> come over to our love cave
0: yeah and it'll
1: be great yeah uh and so dan you know kind of shakes off his attack by a gorilla and grabs a gun and goes off when he gets to the cave we see that two gorillas are leaving
0: yes mm. they're, they, they're done already <laughs> We only ever see two gorillas on screen at the same time, by the way, so they definitely only had two suits. And I just wanna note here that Steve Calvert does not have the build no. to replace Crash Core again.
1: He is too short, which leads to the gorilla suit sagging and looking like a kid with a heavy diaper.
0: Yeah, it also means that like while he's doing the gorilla like stooped over long arms posture It means that the gorilla looks like it's maybe like four feet tall instead of like a big eight foot, you know, intimidating monster. The second gorilla suit that they have looks like it's wearing a skirt made of its own hair, like its hair.
1: That's just how like low it's hanging off the dude in the suit. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So Dan gets there as there are still two gorillas inside and he manages to like fight off one and like delay the other laura sees him and doesn't want to go with him yeah when he tries to
0: rescue her she fights back
1: so he slaps her and again tries to get her but he's a little too slow because one of the gorillas wakes up and you know strangles him he falls to the ground and then we get a dissolve to dan talking to dr reiner in their living room and him saying like, and I haven't seen her since that very day. And the doctor going weird.
0: That's, that's an exact quote.
1: Yep. You know, we also get like, as they're closing everything, you know, footage of singing Laura being carried by the gorilla out of the cave, whatever the fuck. Um, basically, The explanation the doctor gives is that her head injury from the tiger attack knocked her completely into that regression mode. And she just believes that she's a like female gorilla and the male gorillas or gorillas are fine with that. And, and she's, she's just with them now. It's a reverse Tarzan.
0: Yeah. He says lines of dialogue. Like there's a little bit of animal in all of us. And literally the last line in the movie, I'm pretty sure is him saying she's back where she belongs now. Which is a wild thing to say.
1: Yeah. I think there's a little bit more animal in her now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, boy.
1: Um. So, Ben, what the fuck did I just watch? Well, you just watched... A terrible <sighs> movie.
0: Okay, look. There's some interesting stuff here. Not, Not good. Never good. <laughs> but... The parts of this film worth watching are the parts where it is weird. The parts that are sort of at the most Ed Wood.
1: So the beginning, 20 minutes, the last 15. And yeah. the middle part with the tigers and all that jazz, you can just fast forward through.
0: Basically, is that's what I'm saying. The first, um, so it's the first 35 minutes of the movie are before we go on the trip to Africa. And that's that's a bad movie yes absolutely but it's utterly insane and unique like where else are you going to see the tale of a woman who just wants to like is so wet for this gorilla in the basement that it draws the gorilla upstairs to woo her and then her husband finds that he's being cuckolded on his wedding night by his pet gorilla like that's wild that's crazy And this section of the movie also has the like amazing distinction of being Ed Wood concepts, like unmistakably Ed Wood concepts. As she wears an angora sweater to bed, so that when she's writhing around having her dreams (laughs) about the ape, she's wearing the angora sweater. But these concepts are being executed by like not Ed Wood, a professional crew, yeah, uh, a competent director like not a good director like adrian vice not a good director but like is competent does understand how to put camera in spot and point at things um and real actors like like charlotte like i don't know what charlotte austin thought of this movie other than thinking it was cheap as fuck but she's
1: doing what she can with it yeah
0: she is giving a hell of a performance like she has decided that she is going to sell the idea that she is down to fuck with gorillas. Like she is selling it. She's it's ridiculous, but she is doing the job. Like there are women in movies who are supposed to be attracted to men like their romantic co-stars who are less convincing about it than she is about how much she wants to bone this gorilla.
1: I think Charlotte Austin probably carries this movie yes lance fuller has kind of checked out yeah
0: i think this role would have been better played by john agar
1: yeah this is up his alley for sure
0: yeah um but yeah lance fuller is just kind of nothing and that's why the middle section of the movie that's about lance fuller mighty hunter and mostly like you know charlotte just sticks around in a tent and doesn't do anything is terrible is yeah. the worst part it is the next 35 minutes of the movie uh so fully the length of the first part again
1: no his name's fuller
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this part of the movie is basically three movies stitched together there's new footage shot for this movie there's footage from a documentary about like safari hunting in Africa. And then there's footage from a narrative film called man eaters of Kumayan uh, from 1948 starring Sabu. And that's where all the tiger stuff comes from. That's a movie that's like set in India with like Sabu and there's like a tiger on the loose and it kills like some Indian people. And that's why the people who have come along with dan fuller here on his safari to africa all look indian and wear like indian clothing and why like the old lady who gets killed gives laura like this sort of indian garb to wear so that when she gets attacked by a tiger it'll match the like indian village girl who gets attacked by a tiger in the stock footage
1: You're saying the name Sabu, Mm -hmm. like I should know who that is?
0: Um, He was pretty famous. He was in a bunch of movies throughout the 1940s, um, Thief of Baghdad, a bunch of different jungle adventure movies. You would know him because he played Mowgli in the live action Jungle Book from
1: 1942. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So the only thing that's entertaining in this part of the movie is basically playing the like spot which movie we're in game like pointing out like okay this is new this is from the documentary this is from the sabu movie and the problem with that being your only entertainment for this 35 minute stretch is that the difficulty setting is is like way too low it's 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 way too obvious
1: the other problem with it is um now this composer Mm. i i forget his name uh but he he's trying Mm -hmm. but with a lot of the hunting scenes, to try to build tension, he has aggressive xylophone. Yes. And it just sounds like the Jeopardy theme.
0: Well, it's it's he's trying to do sneaking music, but he's scoring it, you know, like he's doing a cartoon, where yeah. sneaking sounds like... do 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 Exactly.
1: With the xylophone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... The other thing is, like, at times, it felt like the music some of it was maybe library tracks cuz normally in a movie normally in a good movie right the music is more cohesive but this would bounce between xylophones to then violin during like scary moments mm-hmm. with like no in between it felt very disjointed so maybe this isn't up to the composer but it just was like aggressive xylophone. I
0: think the thing is is that the aggressive xylophone would be less annoying if like stuff happened. Sure. Because is basically what they're doing in this section of the movie is they are dragging out Dan Hunt's tigers for as long as they possibly can basically Um, because we don't get back to anything to do with gorillas and Laura, which is the, the plot. Movie. Yeah, that's the movie um, until the last 10 minutes. So it's 35 minutes of original ideas, you know, weird ideas, but original 35 minutes of let's straight up, take another movie and just two other movies. Right. And just edit it so that the lead character of that movie is now the lead character of our movie, you know, very um, captive wild woman style. And then 10 minutes back to our original story. So we have a 78 minute movie with like 45 minutes of actual content.
1: Like we happened to hit pause when we were flash forwarding or whatever from Laura with apes to Dan with Dr. Reiner. And when we paused, there were 45 seconds left. And it's like, how are you supposed to explain or wrap up whatever the fuck this is in in 45 seconds? And they seem to manage to do it at least to, like, the movie's...
0: Satisfaction.
1: ...standards, yeah.
0: Yeah, the last 10 minutes is incredibly wild and fulfills on the promise of the beginning of the movie...
1: But it's really let down by the fact that there's like no dialogue.
0: And it's just way too little too late. Yeah. And it's it's also like, listen, okay, listen. Yeah. I'm not saying the movie would necessarily be a better movie if this was true, but it would be a better execution of its concept if this movie was sort of allowed to say and depict... What it's about. So, like, Laura fights Dan when he tries to rescue her and he has to, like, sock her on the jaw. But, like, the movie never quite lets Laura say,
1: I want to be with gorillas. Yes.
0: Like, it never lets her say, like, I want a fucking an ape And, you know, we she never. She doesn't
1: even say, like, no when yes. Dan tries to take her. She's just, like, clearly resisting. Like,. Dan doesn't even get to have any dialogue of like, Laura, come on.
0: Or like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, Dan never seems to realize that his wife wants to
1: fuck gorillas. Um, even though I think that's... he does though with Spanky, <laughs> the way he's acting when she's first in the basement. Right.
0: And he's like, stay away from him. Don't ever go get close to him again.
1: I'm just going to do a hard pivot from this. <laughs> um, there's a lot of brown face in this movie. Yes. Um, Taro is the house servant. Uh, he's just like, I think like just a white dude uh-huh. in brown face. It's very like poorly done brown face too. Like it, it's like on way too thick. He looks so sweaty. And
0: he's his dialogue has been written in Ed Wood's attempt to do what I'll call traditional Hollywood broken English, but the actor like is having none of it. Like he's not putting on like any kind of accent. He's just saying the words in Mm -hmm. like the most flat voice he can.
1: And then of course, um, with the folks who are with them on the expedition, we have Marka who is the woman who gets killed. She has been done up uh, in costume and voice-ish. She's definitely not being played white she has brown face on but she's also like in indian garb like Mm -hmm. hindi garb yeah and um at first when you see her you think she might be native american yeah it's really weird it's really weird
0: um the only actual black people in the movie don't get dialogue so that's how you can tell if someone's not in brown face
1: yeah but hey at least like they got a lot of like screen time (laughs) The makers of this movie shot more original footage of these black people than they did of actual tigers.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, there are there are black people in the movie who aren't just stock footage. Fair. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like this would be a better movie if implicit was more explicit, except that like nobody wants that, I guess. I don't know. It's I like. I don't
1: think I want that,
0: though. This, this... movie makes me. So, after Ed Wood stopped making real movies, he started making like weird porno movies. It, like, if you are someone, a creative person, who's got like a lot of weird sexual hangups that you want to explore in your art, and you're making your art in mid century America like porn is kind of where you have to go, I guess. Cause you're not going to be able to talk about that stuff in like normal movies.
1: Yeah. Porn or the exploitation circuit. Right. Which I mean, Woods doing that a bit.
0: Yeah. And that, and you know, and those circuits are the same circuit basically. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, <sighs> this is such a weird fucking movie, but I'll say that the parts where it's weird are the parts that are interesting.
1: Well, okay. So, Interesting is one word to use. For me, the only interesting part of this movie or rather like interesting decision Mm. on behalf of the, the filmmakers and everything is when Laura is in her like hypnosis state and we're seeing the jungle footage. It's all in this like negative version of it which is like really cool. Uh, The zebras look exactly the same, which is like when you think about it, like, yeah, I guess they would. But when you see it, you're like, why do they look the same? Um, And that was an interesting decision. Yes. Yeah. That's
0: like a really interesting, creative thing to do. And it gives like a cool look to the dream sequences. Like, you know, that first 35 minutes is bonkers. But it kind of sets you up for the idea that this movie's going to be wild and weird and interesting and bonkers, right? Like, it's, it's, but
1: the... then it also like fails at that yes. because of the 35 minutes of hunting tigers. Exactly.
0: That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Like, I am not a fan of the films of John Waters, but the reason people like John Waters as a filmmaker is because like his movies aren't like anyone else's movies Mm -hmm. and nobody's movies are like his movies. And they have like a very specific personal vision. That's the stuff in Ed Wood movies that make Ed Wood movies interesting to me. And it might make audiences like uncomfortable because stuff that's really, really personal often does make other people uncomfortable, but it makes it interesting and it makes it stand out. And it's the stuff where he's trying to just sort of limply cut and paste with some stock footage that is boring and mm-hmm. and bad. Um, so as crazy as the woman ape sexual connection stuff in this movie is, you're not going to see that in any other movie. Or rather, like, other movies are cowards and make that subtext. <laughs> you know (laughs) like um
1: that's that's one point of view
0: um the only thing that makes the 35 minutes of hunting stuff kind of entertaining is that like the cinematography from the old sabu movie is good mm -hmm. like the shots of the tigers look cool
1: yeah they uh they did some cool stuff with the tigers but like i
0: can't credit this movie with that
1: no ben is this horror
0: i'm coming down on no okay i think that it probably could have been the movie that the first 35 minutes implies could have become a horror movie but because we just go off and do a jungle adventure for 35 minutes the last 10 minutes of like and then an ape scoops her up and takes her into the jungle the end like, isn't enough to bring us back to horror, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, for me, with the ending, um, because Charlotte Austin was kind of the most compelling person, mm-hmm. um, I kind of am basing, like, how is this a horror movie on her experience? Right. At the end, she's where she wants to be. <laughs> right. So is this horror from that angle? And then in the beginning part, it's, um you know, it has some tropes of horror movies of like it's a dark and stormy night Mm -hmm. and um, there's a
0: gorilla in a dungeon in the basement
1: a secluded mansion Mm -hmm. um weird taxidermied animals everywhere yeah and so it has some of those tropes but it never really like i don't know it kind of is like in the first 35 minutes it feels like it's straddling the line for horror movie i think if lance fuller had more of a personality in yes. this movie then it sure would be a horror movie at least in like that thir- first 35 minutes but because it's from laura's point of view it feels like it's kind of like well this is supposed to be like a romantic movie but dan's keeping them apart yeah i mean it's got
0: that like phantom of the opera thing where you've mm. got like this love triangle and like she's not supposed to want to be with the phantom, but like you can tell she kind of wants to be with the phantom because he's like way more interesting than Raoul, even if he is a psychopathic murderer. It's like that if the phantom was an ape. Um, (laughs) But like, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head about if the character of Dan as played by Lance had been allowed to react to the apes and his wife with the kind of horror that a person would react to that situation with we might have had something but instead like he reacts you know like a cuckolded husband like he 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 reacts like you know as if the ape was just some other man and he's like you know gonna shoot him because he's like in a crime of passion moment and like
1: but also once it's over he's like well it's
0: dealt with he's dead right and it's like hey let's go to bed Let's not think about this again. Like he's, he's such a repressed 1950s man that he can't even express the emotions needed for like the the movie to work. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think this is horror.
1: Cool. I did have some areas picked out, but I was feeling like this wasn't really horror. Okay. Alright, so then since this is going on to our miscellaneous list, um, if you want to see the other movies that are on that list, you can head to our website, screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com. On the website, you will also be able to find our appeals box if you would like to contest this or any other ranking. For The Bride and the Beast, I feel like you'd have to give like a really compelling argument for us Uh. to consider this horror. But Uh. if you want to give it a shot, please shoot your shot on our website through our ask box or you can send us an email at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com. You can also talk with us on Twitter at underscore Scream Scene.
0: Scream Scene updates every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can subscribe to the show using our RSS feed, and you can help the show out by leaving us a rating or review on the podcasting service that you listen to. Another way you can help the show is by telling a friend about the show, sharing the show on social media, using the power of word of mouth to help grow the show's audience. If you have the financial means, you can head over to patreon.com/screamscenepodcast and become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Patrons at the 5 and 10 dollar levels get access to regular bonus content, and thanks to the support of our patrons, we do a bonus episode every month on a horror adjacent movie, and it's looking like November's movie is going to be Fritz Lang's M starring peter laurie
1: i'm super excited about this um it's it's such a good movie and it it like takes a turn at the end where it no longer feels like a film noir even it's very interesting i really Mm -hmm. like it Mm -hmm. patrons at the ten dollar level are also going to be treated to um another edition of the gothic retrospective this time on twilight
0: oh oh my Okay, don't miss it, folks. <laughs> That's patreon.com slash podcast.
1: So what are we watching next week, then?
0: Well, I have good news for you, Sarah, because I know that this was a trial for you, this it was. movie. Next week, we are watching Macabre, produced and directed by William Castle.
1: Oh, shit. I've been wanting to see Macabre for a long time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See you next week, creatures of the night.
1: Bye. Bye.